0: I am here with Marnie Angel and I have a confession to make, she's actually my sister. And it was so funny when I asked her to come and talk, she was like, well, what do you want me to talk about? You know, as sisters do in those text messages. And I said, well, Harper's was a bit rough, wasn't it? And she said, oh yeah, remember I went blind? And I was like, oh, I totally forgot that you went blind. So we're going to focus on Harper today, aren't we, Marnie? Yeah. Yeah, we'll focus on Harper. <laughs> you, but you... I don't think your podcast is long enough to focus on everything. So <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you are actually currently pregnant right now. I am. I am at 24 weeks with my third. Yeah, and you are saying you're not recommending a third pregnancy at this stage? Look, the third pregnancy, it's different. Yeah. And I haven't had the best other two pregnancies. So for me to be saying that, Look, I'm sure the third baby will be great. The third pregnancy (laughs) is not great so far. We do pregnancy a bit rough and our mum was a glowy pregnant person. So she just comes in over the top and always tells us how much she loved being pregnant. And I want to bitch slap her every time she speaks about it. Yeah, not not ideal. Not ideal at all. (laughs) Okay, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who, obviously I know you very well, but who is in your family and what do you do? So yeah, our family is obviously me and my husband, Matt, who is a podiatrist, and then we have a four-year-old little girl, Harper, a two-year-old little boy, Archie, and I'm 24 weeks with um, our third baby, which is a little girl, which is exciting. We didn't find out with the other two. Um, which and, yeah, was devastating I... for me, if I can say. <laughs> I was a bit scared to tell Diana that I was having a girl because she's had two boys so far. I know that she would probably like a little girl, but anyway. Gender disappointment is real. I remember calling you and crying and you were like, I'd cry too. Yeah. Because <laughs> Eddie's yeah. so forlorn. I know. And I think on it, like, love Archie. He's my little baby, but girls are like my thing. I'm a very girly girl, bows, tutus, pink, and I'm lucky that Harper. Is exactly exactly the same. And I, I think I've made her like that, but she enjoys it. So. She loves it. Yeah. So take us to when you started to think about a family. So um, I think that the complication here is that you haven't explained, because Marnie's also actually a makeup artist, which a lot of people find so funny that I am the polar opposite <laughs> Ugh, with polar opposites. Yeah. I am a beauty therapist and a makeup artist and that is the literal complete opposite of what Deanna is. But you, I wash my face okay. with soap. It, skincare tips of me all the time and also and I'm a little bit disgusted in her sometimes, but we we'll get past that. We get there. So um, take me to when you started to think about Harper because you have Crohn's too, Yeah, so I have Crohn's disease. I got diagnosed with that in 2011 when I was 17 in year 12. Um, It was something that I'd never heard of before and it was quite shocking because I really didn't feel like when I went in to have the test done that it was something that I I didn't think I'd come out with being diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. But um, What were some of the signs and symptoms of it, man? Well, for me, I had severe reflux. I went to the doctor because I had really bad reflux. But then she kept asking me questions like, you know, are you having diarrhea every day? And I was like, yeah. She's like, do you have pains in her tummy? And I was like, yeah, I do. But I kind of, I don't know, a typical like 17-year-old brushing things off. I was kind of just thought I'd eaten something funny and it just hadn't agreed with me for like months. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. and then, so she was like, "I think that you need to go have an endoscopy and a colonoscopy because you're 17 years old. You shouldn't be having these symptoms." And I was just going there to get some back for my reflux. So I was like, "I can't, I can't eat anything. I need." To Mom had already diagnosed you and told you what you needed. Yeah, said you off. need to go to the doctor and get some back And I was like, right, I'll go I'll, I'll get some back. So. Um, yeah, and then I literally had those uh, colonoscopy and an endoscopy um, like three weeks later and he literally came out. I was half asleep from the anesthesia. I said, you've got Crohn's disease, here's the brochure, enjoy a lifelong disease. Holy cow. That's pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty crazy considering that we'd never heard of it before. It's a much more common, I think it's more widely diagnosed now than it was then, um, but, yeah, I didn't know anybody at all who had it at the time. Yeah. Okay. And so what's it like living with Crohn's? Um, everyone is different. So I can only speak for myself because Crohn's is very, like, every person has, has different symptoms. Um, so for myself, um, for a good 10 years of it, I, was, I had active disease. I was going to the toilet constantly. Um, not so much had to watch what I eat because it was really weird in a way of that, like, something that would trigger me, I could eat it one day and be totally fine. And then I would eat it the next day and it would make me really sick. And that was what I found quite hard. Um, but, yeah, it's very up and down. I've got a really good specialist, though, in Melbourne now that I'm with, and I've been with her for quite a while now. I'd say, like, five or six years. And she really got me on track when I first met her probably within a year or two I did have to have a bowel resection because things were just too far gone then but since then she's really been managing me with medication and I have some like like a couple of months in a row where I'll be really sick but then she'll just switch things up and change it again and then I kind of go into remission so between my pregnancy with Harper and Archie and all through my pregnancy with Archie in probably six months after him, I was in remission. So I didn't have any symptoms or any dis- active disease.
1: Yeah. So cool.
0: that's really, yeah, Which was a little bit different to Harper, which is why we've chosen to focus on Harper because the whole premise of this is we're discussing the difficulties of managing um, in rural settings when there isn't a lot of services. So you've already highlighted that you have to go to Melbourne to see your specialist to manage yeah. your Crohn's. Um, yes. what's that like, even in a rural setting, managing your Crohn's across, like, cause if you present an emergency, your doctor isn't there. Yeah. And look, it is a personal, um, op, like it, I choose to see my specialist in Melbourne. That is because there is, um, one specific gastro in Wobba, but I don't want to go. I, yeah. My personal opinion was that they're not a very good doctor. So, yeah, um, yeah. So it if you want a choice and option, you had to go further than well, but there's only one. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So you've either got to go to Canberra, Sydney or Melbourne. And I lived in Melbourne at the time. When I started with, yeah. It's, it's just been easier to stay with her. But yeah, if you go to emergency with a Crohn's problem here, you you can't say you just bring my specialist because she's in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am lucky that I have teamed up with a general surgeon here as well who specialises in kind of gastro things. He's not a gastroenterologist, but he specialises in gastro things. So then they kind of work as a team, which is really nice. Yeah. So when you were diagnosed with Crohn's, did anyone say to you anything about pregnancy and birth? Had Sally ever flagged anything with you? money specialist name is Sally um and that's how mum yeah. talks about her so I probably will refer to Sally many times um yeah. did Sally say anything to you did she warn you or did, did you was pregnancy a consideration even before you like were like okay let's try for a baby yeah so I had been warned about many things mainly like negative stuff um Although before I even saw Sally, I did have a specialist say to me when I was really, really, really sick, which is is very silly advice. Please don't ever, anyone listen to this. They said, why don't you go and get pregnant because pregnancy usually puts autoimmune diseases in remission. Oh, yeah. I've heard about this. Yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, at that time. I'm 17. I was like like 21 at the time. And I was like, "Mm, I don't think so, guys. Like, I'm I'm not ready.'" already ready for that. I think Matt would have had a heart attack. I think everyone would have had a heart attack. I think, I honestly think that we would be together for like six months at that point. And I was like, well, you wouldn't believe what a specialist said to me today. <laughs> um, yeah, they said to me, you should get pregnant because your crones will go into a recent. Which and actually I mean, ended much- up with your first pregnancy being the exact opposite <laughs> of what happened. The opposite. So don't ever listen to somebody when they say that to you. Um, yeah, but then also, like, I got, once I like saw Sally, she was highlighting, like, and, I mean, it sounds like she was being really negative, but she, I'm a realist and she knows that I'm a realist and she knows that I like to know facts. I don't like to be, I don't like sugar-coated things when it comes to medical stuff. Yeah. I just want to be prepared and I want to know. So, because I was on methotrexate for a long time, methotrexate is actually the drug that they use for a chemical abortion but it is also used to control um autoimmune diseases so like rheumatoid arthritis and Crohn's disease and things like that yeah getting pregnant on that drug is a massive no-no um and then beyond that that could affect my fertility um methotrexate could have affected your fertility well in terms of like like maybe it could make it harder for you to get pregnant. So gotcha. not only their way you was like you really need to wait until your Crohn's is in remission to try to get pregnant because it's a higher chance of you being able to become pregnant than rather when you're in active disease. And then also if you're in active disease when you're getting pregnant, um, it chances higher chances of miscarriage, higher chances of um, like an early birth a low birth weight for your baby complications for your baby because they haven't been able to put on the weight. Yeah. So, you yeah, I knew you had to get off methotrexate, which now I'm having flashbacks of when you used to chase me with your needle because I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You had to get off your methotrexate for a period of time and then you had to have not have any active disease. So you kind of knew those were the two mitigating factors around having a baby. So how do you start trying for a baby? Well, we pretty much just, after we got married, like the month after, we were like, well, you know, the next step for us will be to have a baby. But we didn't know, pretty much like what we've been told is what we summarized in our head was it may take us a while to fall pregnant. Um, so I stopped any kind of like birth control Yep. Um, after we got pregnant. Oh, sorry, the month after we got married. Did you and have a conversation said, with Sally to change your medication prior to getting married? I didn't. because well, So I was, on I was on methotrexate for two years before we got married. So I, yes. knew, I, was, I knew I was well in the clear because she told me 12 months. Okay. So I knew I was well in the clear off the methotrexate, but then also I'm the type of person where I don't want to be told no. So I didn't want to tell her that I was trying to have a baby and then her say no, you can't. Yeah. Did you feel like that would be something she would have said to you? I don't think so, but I didn't want to take the risk. Yeah, okay. So I was just kind of like, I'll do it and then she can clean it up. I'll ask for forgiveness. So we're a big family yeah. of asking for forgiveness, not for permission. Yeah. <laughs> just ask my brother. Don't ask for permission. No. I but I knew that like, I wasn't the sickest I'd ever been. I wasn't, you know, the wellest I'd ever been. But, And I knew I wasn't on a dangerous medication. So it was... I wasn't being dangerous, but I probably should have asked her. Yeah. Um, but then literally I didn't – This. I, I feel so bad saying this, but I didn't track any ovulation. I had no idea about my cycle. My cycle sometimes was 15 days, sometimes 46 days. Like I remember that. It, I had no cycle pretty much. Like I couldn't track anything. I didn't know when I was ovulating, and I fell pregnant the next month with Harper. But you also didn't have any friends who had had any babies, had you either? So it wasn't like you were talking with your girlfriends about, I mean, we talk no. all the time now about ovulation after what I've been through about ovulation and tracking and different ways yeah. in which you can record your ovulation and all of the things. I mean, I had a, I had a period app, but it there was no point of going off that because as I said, I pretty much didn't have a set cycle. It was different every month. so. You couldn't, you couldn't follow it because it wasn't accurate. Um, and, yeah, I had at that point no friends. Like you hadn't had any babies. No. We had one cousin that had had a baby. Um, that went really well if you've listened to Sarah's episode. <laughs> which is Sarah Verdon that was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, so she listen to that one. Probably um, call her up for advice after, you know. So um, I had one friend that was pregnant, like, kind of like outside my immediate friend group but she had like the most amazing glowy like non-complicated pregnancy ever so it was very unrelatable to me yeah I'm um, thinking so I didn't have anybody who kind of like yeah we, we didn't talk about it so it was just like oh I'm pregnant so now. so now what <laughs> so then do you call Sal and let her know that you're pregnant like what, what happens next so my first protocol was going to be to go to my GP because I have a very good relationship with my GP. Um, and she confirmed the pregnancy for me and she immediately rang Sally. Well you were in the room? <laughs> yeah. She was like, I need her to know. So she was like, you, you need to like, she's the one who controls the shots here. Okay. Uh, but Sally was very happy with the medication that I was on at the time. I was on a drug called Humira. Okay. Um, at pregnancy phase, that's so fine. Um, is that your infusion, man? Like, because there'll be no. people with Crohn's out there who are either thinking about having a baby or might've had a bit of trouble and they're wondering about their drugs. Um, mm. Is that, how was, how did you take that medication? So himira was a, a needle that I gave myself every fortnight. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I changed the infusions later on in the pregnancy as yes, you'll hear. But yeah, um was that the uh, one that you used to inject and then one Christmas we were drawing circles with like a lip liner on your leg in church, like watching it grow? Yeah, yeah because I used to so I usually got the pre filled syringes. So I could inject the drug slowly so that I wouldn't get the reaction. But that month the chemist only had the pre filled like like it was like an EpiPen needle, pretty much. Like it did it itself, yeah. And because it did it itself, the drug went in so quickly. I was reacting to it. Yeah, I remember. Uh, that. So yeah, that's why I like to do it myself. But people are different, what they like. Good tip out there for people. Yeah, if you do it slowly, you won't get well. So she was happy with your drugs, and then how did yeah. your first trimester progress? Um, so first trimester was amazing I didn't have any morning sickness I didn't even feel like I was pregnant I think I peed on so many pregnancy sticks because I was like I don't feel pregnant like I don't like I didn't have any morning sickness no aversions. wasn't extra tired like I just felt like I was like wow this is amazing maybe like you do go into remission when you're pregnant yeah and 13 weeks I was gonna say so when did things turn 13 weeks Yeah. yeah 13 um, and in terms of the actual pregnancy, like if I didn't have Crohn's, the actual pregnancy would probably be like textbook. Yeah. But because I had the Crohn's, I had quite bad complications. My Crohn's just like, it just clicked and it got very, very bad very quickly to the point of where at 16 weeks I was admitted to hospital on IV steroids and IV antibiotics to try and control the disease in the bowel because I got a phone call from Sally, and she said, if you don't go to hospital right now, your baby's not going to grow. Oh, my goodness. I, that must have been yeah. such a scary phone call to get. It was really scary. And I actually, like, I'm not someone who, like, shows emotion or cries easily in that type of setting. And I actually started crying on the phone. She was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to upset you, but I just wanted you to know the seriousness of the situation. And I was like, yep, no way. But it was funny because when I went up to the hospital, you know, I said, my specialist has set me up here for this reason. Here are all my pathology. This is why she wants me to be here. Because do you have to present to the emergency department at the public hospital? Because I think the part oh, we've do. skipped is you had a private obstetrician, yeah? That was probably yes. across that you had Crohn's and that you had Sally. Yes, but because she's not in Logger, I have to go to the emergency in the public hospital. If she was in Logger, I could have gone straight to the private. Okay. She would have submitted me through there. Um, but because she's in Melbourne, she doesn't have admitting meeting right. Yeah, I have to go through the emergency. And explaining everything in the emergency was just, like, they were just like, and then, yeah, while I was there, I had the gastro that was in logger literally come to me and be like, well, you look fine. And I'm like, do you know anything about all the your diseases or like... But also your and, specialist in Sydney, who is pretty top of her field, to be honest with you, Sally is the bee's knees, that's why you keep going back down to Melbourne. She yeah. she said you have to go to hospital. Yeah, and then, so, you know how I said um, earlier that she works with a general surgeon in Wobba that kind of saved me yes. when he was on holidays, so I couldn't oh. be admitted through him. Yeah, so I had to be admitted through the gastro. In okay. But he, yeah, he's too hard just not my cup of tea but just very condescending and like I just felt like I was constantly having to explain myself why I was here when like my sisters had told me like I need to be in hospital was there a part of you that was just like stuff this I'm getting in the car and going to Melbourne so close unbelievably yeah because you got in the back of your brain Sally said if you do not do this your baby will not grow yeah, she literally said to me, like, if you don't go to the hospital now and start on IV steroids, your baby's not going to grow and essentially die. So how did you end up getting admitted? Because I know that time was really, really rough. I just had to go to the emergency, present all the details, um, get them to contact Sally. I had to get the admitting registrar to contact Sally. Yep. And she pretty much yelled at them and said admit her. So that's how I got admitted. Yep. And then... um yeah they put me on um they I couldn't go up to the maternity ward at that time because I wasn't 20 weeks yet yeah I had to go on to like the general ward yeah um which is fine but um yeah there would have been a lot of uncertainty though about how Harper was doing inside though at that time I imagine yeah well I had just gotten off my specialist I was phone to my specialist he said my baby is like she may not grow and she may not be okay and then I'm on this general ward where no one cares about your baby they only care about you yeah and I had asked a couple of times if I could just have a reassurance ultrasound just to make sure that she was okay yeah um, I think I asked for that probably three times a day for about three or four days and they said yeah no we'll do it we'll do it we'll do it but obviously it wasn't t- top priority to them but it was top priority to me um so did yeah, you have yeah. to stay in the public hospital or was that your best option to <clears throat> be able to, or were you birthing in a public hospital? Like what was the situation? I didn't have to stay there. I could have been transferred to the private, but I would have been under the exact same um category. So there is no other. So yeah. I would have been under the exact same one. Um, I was, I'd been put in a private room because they thought that I had um, deep it, which is an infectious bound. Infection yep. um, with a Brady hospital. So I was like, well, why would I want to transfer to Calvary. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm already in a, in a private room. I was in the exact the same care anyway. So I didn't see, really see the point at, at that time to transfer to Calvary. So what was your obstetrician saying to you at this time? She was just like, obviously, like she doesn't manage Crohn's. So she's like, this is Sally's field. This is on her. But she was very keen for me to get that reassurance ultrasound because she was like, obviously, like, that's important to you. And she was like, that's important to me as well. Um, and so I remember probably after four days of me, like, asking for this ultrasound, all I could hear were high heel shoes walking down the corridor and her screaming at someone, which is probably not the way to act in a hospital, but... Her frustration levels had reached a peak where she was going to let someone have it. I could hear her and I, heard, I it with her. And I could hear her say, someone get me an ultrasound machine now. <laughs> and she came in did my ultrasound for me. So she ended up doing it for you? Yep. And then the next day I got sent down to the actual like, um, ultrasound, like the radiology warden. And they did a proper one. Yeah, but, And I remember you being pretty distressed during that time because you were really in the unknown. Yeah, I was because I didn't know anything about pregnancy. I didn't know anything about what can happen. I was very much in the unknown. No one really knew anything because I didn't know anybody else that had been in this situation. And I was just very much like, what is going on? And I am very much go so with the flow with my Crohn's. Like I'm always like, oh well, it is what it is. Like whatever. Like when I had my section and my my blood clot, I had a twelve centimeter blood clot. Like no joke, blood clot. Yeah. So I... like through all of that, I'm just like, oh, like it's kind of scary, but what will be will be. Yeah. Where, where this is like, it's your child that you're talking about, and it's a little bit more of like more on the line here yeah you feel a bit powerless so you you have the steroids you have the fluids um your obstetrician gives you the scan you get the okay you get to go home what happens from there so i had to go home on like oral steroid which is pregnant bone for anybody that knows about steroids yeah which is not a fun drug It is not, they're not, nice. I feel very sorry for anybody that tells me that they're on Pregnophone. It's an awful, awful drug. But I was like, and I had had been on them a lot in my early diagnosis of Crohn's and I was very against ever being on them again. I hate them, but I knew at this point like I needed it. So um, went home on um, pretty high dose oral steroids. And then I saw my obstetrician a week later and she said, we need to order an early gestational diabetes test for you because steroids can raise your glucose. Okay. And I was like, oh right, like whatever, like I won't have it, <laughs> like it's fine. So, and how then, many weeks were you when you did that GTT? I'm pretty sure I was 20 weeks when I did it. So it is a really early GTT. It was very early, um, but she said, no, sorry, I was 18 weeks when I did it. Okay. Yeah, I was 18 weeks when I did it, but she said because you're on such high dose steroids, it's needed. Okay. So I was like, yeah, whatever. Black, I'll, I'll do it. I did the DTT, and then um, I remember I was actually um, I was sitting at home and I was texting my friend, and I was saying I'll be so upset if I have gestational diabetes. Cause I just looked up the diet for gestational diabetes. So I remember calling you. <laughs> I was like, have you read it? Like you literally have to weigh and measure everything. And I mean, shout out to everybody who just has diabetes, like far out. That's crazy. It's just like it's such a lifestyle change that I wasn't, didn't want to do. But also you have so much else on your plate. You know, your Crohn's is an active disease. You've had to go to the hospital and have all this extra intervention. You're on prednisone, which just stuffs with your mental health as it is. And then you're facing down the barrel also of having diabetes. Yeah, I didn't actually think that I would ever have it. I was like, I won't have it. Like, it's fine. But I was like, I'll just ask you after I'll look up, like, what you're supposed to do. And then I read it. And I was like, absolutely not. I cannot have this. And then I think, like, an hour later, I got the phone call from my, um, it was the midwife that worked at my obstetrician's office. And yep. she was like, I'm really sorry, but you have failed. You failed it before you even drank the drink. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, okay, no worries. <laughs> so I, but she was like, look, we're not – and then I felt a little bit better because she was like, look, we're not even going to trial you on a diet. So she was like, while well, ever you're on these steroids, your glucose is going to be high. Yeah. So it doesn't – the amount of diet that you do, it's the steroids. that's raising your glucose. And it was raising it but while I was fasting, So it was when I wasn't eating. It was coming down when I was eating. Yeah, right. I – my highest was always the first one in the morning. Um, so it was because of the steroids. And I would take steroids at night because if you take them in the morning then you get all these other side effects. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, straight to um, insurance. So now not only do you have to manage Crohn's, but now you're also managing insulin and checking your bloods all the time. Yeah, which I had no idea about. Like, I still don't think I did it right because, you have like one 30-minute appointment with like a diabetes lady and you're sent on your way. Yeah, I know because Chris had those meetings. It was in a chemist, like in the back room of a chemist, and she talked to me for probably about 30 minutes and gave me like probably four hours worth of information. And I walked away and I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> um, so I don't think, like I don't know what I Hopefully I'll do you right. But So anyway. what kind of levels of blood sugars were you getting? honestly, I, can't. I have a really, really bad memory. Yes, I does. can't remember, this, but I always remember that my morning one was over. I and when I had you with my OB, he was like, you have to get up in the middle of the night and you have to eat. And I was like, hell no. I'm I'm not waking up. I'm about to have a child where I'm going to have to get up in the middle of the night. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> to eat. I'm not even someone who ate breakfast. So... You get up in the middle of the night and eat. I'm also not someone that you wake up like. You just don't wake Marnie up. It's not worth your life. So I wasn't going to wake up and force myself to eat. And like eating the breakfast in the morning was forceful enough for me. So to eat in the middle of the night. Well, like I'm not doing that. Whatever. The intern can just do its good job. (laughs) Did you have a Like on my third pregnancy, I would follow everything like that type of stuff to the book because the more you know the more you the know more, yeah the more you know whereas I knew nothing back then so that will like, be right you like, in the ignorance of bliss 100 percent. so yeah. did you have any side effects for the diabetes um yeah I as you said at the start I went blind which is dramatic I didn't actually go blind but I remember driving one day <laughs> this is like, what I think about that just like this is so we, and me and my friend, Courtney, we laugh about this nearly like once a week. It was like, remember <laughs> when we went I was driving one day and I couldn't read the road signs and I was pretty close to them. And it, the only reason that I knew... Was Courtney in the car with you? No, Mum was in the car. And Which would know no help whatsoever. I literally said to her, I can't read that sign. She's like, what do you mean you can't read the sign? So I was like, I can't read... That sign, and the, like I knew what it said because I have lived log in Loganary my whole life. Like I knew what the sign said, but if I didn't know what it said, I could, I, I'd be stuck because I couldn't read it. Could you so not I read, at... or could you not see? Because I think this is really I... interesting. What Sarah was saying, she was like, it was like it was in Arabic, but you you yes. could see to drive. I forget, yeah, no. So it wasn't like serious. It was like my vision had just gone like so bad. Like someone who has to wear glasses constantly because they're blurry. It was blurry. Okay. It was blurry. And then so I left that for a little bit because mum was like nonchalant about it. She was like, whatever. So I was like, oh, it mustn't be like, you mustn't be like that There's and a I'm, lot of chronic health in Mom our family. Mum has no sympathy for anything medical because she has put up with so much medical in her life. She doesn't care. Yeah, actually which... dad dad has a lot and our brother has cystic fibrosis. So it's a lot. You have to be dying before she gives you any type of sympathy for medical, which is that I would be exactly the same. Absolutely. Um, So I was like, oh, it must have like whatever. My wife didn't seem to be concerned about it. So I was like, it's fine. And then I was walking. So I worked in our the local shopping centre at the time, the marketplace, and I was on my lunch break and I was walking – to get my lunch and I was looking at people but I couldn't see their faces and I thought if someone I know right now like waves at me or I'm not going to know who they are until they're at my face. Well, you hear their voice? Yeah my long distance really had gone like I couldn't see anything and I was like at that point I was like I need to get my eyes checked I can't see anything um so I think like a week later I went and got my eyes. I love how a week later you went and got your eyes (laughs) checked. Yeah. Well, they when I got my eyes tested, they were like, "Are you sure you don't have like here or something?" And I was like, "What? Well, I, I don't know." But I didn't. My blood pressure was normal, and I didn't have any swelling or anything like that. But it was from the from the, the steroids and gestational diabetes that my my vision went. Um. So I, was, I had to wear glasses for the rest rest of my pregnancy. I was going to say, was that permanent, or when you stopped the steroids and weren't pregnant anymore, it was gone. Well, when I took the steroids, my vision was still bad. It was when I had Harper, I noticed a couple of weeks after that my vision was fine again. I didn't have to wear the glasses anymore. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay, so you find out you're going, you're losing your long-sightedness, <laughs> but you're still living in Blissful, um, just ignoring everything that's going on and just getting on, like just doing the pragmatics. Well, Ed, the, the more you know. So I didn't know anything so I was just going with whatever they told me. I was like, no, oh, I'm not worried. Like, whatever. Yeah. So when did they start to have a good discussion with you that Harper's likely to be an early baby? Um, probably. So at about 30 weeks, my Crohn's had kind of hit the point where it was the Humira was no longer working for me. They were, so my Humira, like when I was on it, it never made me death heart in terms of putting me into remission. But it always stopped me from getting to like a really bad point. Okay, so it kind of, I was just like running along like a line. I was never like like peaking and getting really bad and I was never dipping and and, um, and going into remission. I was just running along a line. And at about 30 weeks, I had peaked and she said, this drug no longer, like your body is immune to it. It's no longer working for you. Um, your Crohn's is at a point now where I don't want it to get any worse. Um, otherwise, you're going to end up in Canberra having this baby because even while if you have your baby before thirty two weeks you have to go to Canberra. Oh goodness. Okay. Um, so I was so she was like, We need to change your medication. So at that point I had kind of I kind of knew that she was gonna be a bit earlier. Okay. Because my because my Crohn's are so bad. Okay. Um, what does it, it look was, like to have bad Crohn's when you're pregnant? Um, I took a sip of water and would have to go to the toilet. Okay, so full yeah. on. I wasn't <clears> necessarily <throat> having too many curls, which be comforting because obviously, if you have pains in the belly while you're pregnant, it's not ideal. That's not fun. Uh, I and that's what at the start when she told me to the hospital, so I couldn't really understand. I was like, but I'm not in any pain, and she was like, yeah, but your levels are through the roof, like, and she was like, you know, how many times a day are you going to the toilet? And I'm like, infinite, I'm like I can't count. Yeah, and she was like, exactly. Um but that's kind of what it was like for me is just constantly going to the toilet like it didn't matter what I put in my mouth. you had to go. yeah had to go twenty minutes later on the dot had to go to the toilet. oh gosh okay, so that's yeah. what it looks like so so they're saying maybe third, maybe you have to go to Canberra so she puts you on the, these infusions. what are they, man? Yeah, so it was called Infliximab. obviously that's not like the like the drug drug name, it's like the generalized name for it yeah. Um, into two infusions, which I went to the hospital every six weeks. Which is another and, whole other issue, because sometimes they can't get your cannula in, can they? Yeah, I have very, very bad veins. I think that they they say all the time that they're really deep, and then when you go to stick the needle in, they roll. So, yeah, I'm very, very, very hard to cannulate. There was talk for a while there so for me to have a central line, but then that comes with complications of its own, like infection. Yep. And, things like that so we just decided against that but um yeah um so steady so, go, go weeks how do the infusions work do you go is i, I always think about it as a bit like chemo because you go you have your medication you're there for a couple of hours aren't you and then you go again yeah so how it goes, you go to the hospital you get admitted as a day patient and then you go to a special day ward and they you like, all your OBS. They give you pre-meds if you need them. So for me, pre-meds is Panadol because my temperature always spikes when I have my infusion. Okay. Um, so Also having any histamine as well, but I don't have that. I didn't have that towards the end because I didn't need it. But um, yeah, they give you the pre-meds and then they use a the chemist at the hospital goes and makes up your drugs. They come, put your cannula in, and you have your infusion. For me, my infusion rents for just, under two hours okay, and then it's supposed to stay for an hour after. You're not staying for uh, an hour. We know you're okay. not. <laughs> Why? Well, pregnant, I stayed because I was like, you know, you don't want to mess with that. As soon as I wasn't pregnant, I signed myself out and the minute that <laughs> like, I know what to do. I'll come back. if I feel sick. If, I, if I need you, I'll come back. I know where you are. Yeah. By the end of the time that I was getting my infusion, which is like, well, past Archie, they like had the form ready for me. They were like, she ain't staying. You can sign yourself out. Get yourself out. Yeah. Okay, so you start the infusions. When do they start to talk about a delivery for you? So, why your delivery was a C section? You always knew it was going to be a C section. Do you want to explain why with Crohn's you needed a C section? Yes. So, not everybody who has Crohn's needs to have a C section. I particularly had to have one because I had. So, with my Crohn's along the years, I had many rectovaginal fistulas, which is a fistula is a tunnel between one organ to another. Yeah. Like, it's like the disease eating through, pretty much. Okay. Um, for me, mine were always from, like, from my bowel, my rectum, through to my vagina. So, I had to have a lot of repair surgeries. I think I had about six of them. So, I have a lot of scar tissue in that area. Okay. Um. And so they just said for you, pushing out a baby will rip you. Like you have so much scar tissue, it will rip you to shreds. And I was okay. like, what's well, let's not do that. Um, and I always and think I, an elective want- Caesar is just such a non event. Like Caesars get a bad rap. We know they're high intervention, but if you need one and you're having an your elective one, they're great. Look, honestly, I am not afraid of surgery. I've had that many surgeries before. It's not the theater room and having a surgery is not something that I was ever afraid of. So I was more that, like i did feel like maybe i was missing out on something because also i don't know i've just been through a lot of pain before so i'm like i know i could you do thought it. You, yeah you thought you had the pain under wraps yeah like i just wanted to know what it felt like i knew i could do it but i was like well it's not worth not being around for your child so yeah what, absolutely what's the point of that um so, so yeah what absolutely. was the OB's plan around the caesar so she said that she usually books in a date to the cesarean around twenty weeks. So okay. you go to your hospital, you book in. She said for me, we booked a date which was in the thirty-seven weeks. So she said you're not going to be able to go any longer than that. Okay. Um, and she said that's the date that we're working towards, but it was never set. Okay. Did she, did she talk to you about what it means to have a thirty-seven weeker? Because obviously you haven't had babies and you educated me a lot around this when I went mm. to have babies did anyone have yeah. a conversation with you about that no I thought it was normal to have a 37 week okay. because when you have 37 weeks you're considered full term yeah so, I was like, oh, so what does it matter but it actually does matter the more they cook the better it can be for them and but I didn't know this until after I'd had half a okay. complicated <laughs> um and again the more you know I know a lot more <laughs> It's a very living thing. in blissful ignorance. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was just like, oh, like I knew that 37 weeks is considered full term. So I'll look back. It's not. I just fine. Okay. So take me to when you get to the point where they're like, you're having a Caesar. Cause I know you had the 37 week book date, but she was born at 36, wasn't she? No, she was born at the third. So we did make it to the date. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We did make it to the date because once I got switched to the infancy lab like infusion, my Crohn settled; it didn't ever go away, but it settled right down. Okay. So, did your diabetes yeah. settle down then as well, or you know, you still had to do the insulin? No. As soon as I stopped the um, the steroids at about twenty eight weeks, it was twenty six to twenty eight weeks. I can't fully remember my the diabetes, like my sugars leveled out; it completely went away. Okay. So, so you had I to could stop the insulin. I stopped the insulin, so it was still on my chart that I had gestational diabetes. It was. Still like like when they, you know, like when the nurses read out your chart and things like that. Yeah. Still, um, but I wasn't having to be on the insulin or any kind of diet anymore because my sugars were fine. Okay. So you get to the 37, she was bang on 37 weeks, wasn't she, when she was delivered? 37.5. Yeah. So t- tell me about that day. So um, we had a very early later from the early at the hospital by anything six. before ten. Anything before ten, not ideal. Um so we had to visit a hospital by six. Um and then we just got put in a little side room for a while. I got changed. Um and then they wheeled us down and I must say I so I had a harper at the public hospital through my private OB. Yeah. And then I my second auntie through the private hospital. Yeah. Um I must say, like, the actually, in terms of having, like, the caesarean, I know I had the same OB for both, but in terms of, like, the staff, the experience, what happened, both amazing. That's like, awesome for people to know. Yeah. So I wouldn't – if you're in Wagga, I wouldn't not be worried about having a planned caesarean through the base or Calgary because I had great experiences through both. And, yeah, they – Matt got changed, um – he was allowed in for me to get the spinal... What yep. it the, yeah, it, it's not an epidural, but it's a spinal it's block. Epi- I can get spinal block. He was allowed in for that, um, which is good because I, from what I've had another person tell me that they were really scared to have the severion and their partner wasn't allowed in for theirs. So... That certainly hasn't been I'm, my experience. I wasn't necessarily scared to have it, but um, when my OB gave they okay for the intern to do it i was kind of like this is like my ability to walk guys um but yeah anyway they did it they did it good obviously their first one actually. i've had two really different experiences with um a spinal block the first one he did it and my legs automatically went numb and then the second one it actually took a really long time to go in Yeah, right. And I could, like, they were, like, waiting. So the first time I could barely swing my legs to get back up on the table, they had to lift my legs up for me. Like, it was instant. And the second time I was still lifting my legs, being like, hey, guys, I can still feel that. No, for me, both of them were instant. I couldn't get back on the bed. Yeah, right. And so it was the reverse. So I was in recovery and I could lift my legs. Um, Mm -hmm. in recovery with Eddie and with Charlie because it took so long to come on. It took me ages to get, yeah, and, of course, like Charlie was the one I wanted to get up for. It took me a lot longer to get my um, legs back. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so. um, So you have your spinal, the intern does it, it works. Have my spinal, intern does it, lay down, they're about to start, and then I start violently vomiting <laughs> everywhere. And I didn't say anything at the start because I was like, I felt like this weight come over me of nauseous. And I thought, you're just anxious. Like, sh- sh- calm down, mate. Like, you're fine. And I barely got the words out to get me a bowl because I was going to vomit because I'd left it so long. Did you vomit was- all over yourself? I didn't. They, got, they literally just shoved the bowl under my chin just in enough time. But I threw up my whole caesarean and my OB had to say a couple of times, Doc, she's throwing up. I can't cut yet. <laughs> oh, that's never a good sign. I know I went into my Caesar being like, my sister vomited the whole time. And yeah. Dr. O'Brien, I love him. He's amazing. He was like, we just need to keep your blood pressure up a bit higher. So he was like, would you yeah. prefer to vomit or have a headache? And I was like, have the headache every day of the week. So that was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, even they were giving me antinology stuff and it would last for maybe, like, two minutes and I'd start throwing up again. So yeah. I think my blood pressure just dropped so quickly that my body just couldn't handle it. And then the harps was born. Pulled her out crying. Matt said she was a girl. All amazing. Um, she got taken straight over to the table. And then I didn't see her again until, oh, I saw her for, like, three seconds. They just showed her to me before they took her back. Because she was a little bit early and a little bit small, not tiny, just a little bit on the small side, she was lazy. She didn't want to breathe. Lazy down. <laughs> yep. Yeah, which is her, so that, her, That's her personality now. She don't care. Yeah, no, she really doesn't care. <laughs> she um, does the bare minimum to get through. The teacher at swimming lessons tells her to kick and she does three kicks and gives up. Um, just, so, yeah, she just decided that it was all too hard. Um, so they took her Um, but they were very reassuring they said like we're not worried about her but she's like not doing it on her own so we have to help we'll take her up to the nursery and just give her a bit of help and let her wake up and clear the fluid because I know when babies are born via plants they have a lot more fluid than babies who get squeezed out yes Um, so that was fine so Matt went with her and then yeah it was the same as you with Carly when I was in recovery I just wanted to like, go, and I knew that the more drugs that they gave me in recovery, the longer I'd have to stay there. Yeah. So, I was refused, refused a lot of the drugs that they were giving me because I still had my spinal block, like, it was still working. Yeah, so I was like, fine, I don't need it, I don't need it. Let me tell you, take the drugs. And I was up, oh, take the drugs. When I got up to the special care nursery, three that spinal had worn off, and I felt everything, including the afterbirth pain. Oh, you're yeah, I, I didn't know you could get those as a cesarean. Yeah. So I I up dying. Also, um, you can get shoulder tip pain with a cesarean, just FYI. Yeah, longer. <laughs> oh, yeah right. I had it. Yes, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I don't think Harper will ever go on to a maternity ward again. For yeah. um, so child, that. Yeah. So she ended up in special care, did she? Yeah, she, they, I was a bit shocked when I got up there because she was on CPAP when they told me that she just needed a little bit of oxygen. Yeah, that would have been a shock. But I, I think that was a little bit of an, like I think they were just like being cautious because she didn't. came off pretty quickly and onto normal oxygen and then after that she was okay. So she only had to stay in the special care nursery. I think she was in there for like five hours. Um, I think, yeah, once you put on CPAP, you have to stay for a minimum of four. Yeah, they like to know that they're maintaining their oxygen levels. So they monitor them yeah. for quite a long time after they come off. Yeah. So then, and then after that, like, she was fine. And it wasn't until, like, we were on the ward, we were fine, it was all good. And it wasn't until probably day three yeah, that I had a nurse come in to me and she said, Do you think she's a bit yellow? And I was like, Yeah, she's a bit yellow. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> And she was like, I think I'm going to take you jaw the levels. And you know how they get like that little thermometer thing and put it across their head? Yeah, they like, it's kind of like yeah. they just push it down. It's like a thermometer. Yeah, it's like a little thermometer thing and they do it on their head. And she did it and it must have been high because she'd already booked her. I didn't know at this point, but she'd already booked her a bed in the special care nursery. Um, and she was like, oh, it's a bit high. I think I'm just going to order you a blood test. But by the time she had walked out to order the blood test, I knew that she'd obviously booked her a bed in the special care nursery. It must have been through the roof. Um, so they came into the blood test literally immediately. And then within the hour, this really shocked me. This was so dramatic. By the it. after it gra- I was just laying in the bed with Harper. She grabbed her and said, she has to go to the special care nursery now and ran with her down the corridor. And I mean ran. And I was like, I've just had a cesarean lady. So i dramatic. Can't, I can't run after you. Like, this is all like you've being a bit crazy right now. Um. Anyway, yeah. So she went under I, the I, blanket I and she was okay. Pardon? She went under the blanket and she was okay. Well, she went under the light. So she was in the full humidity crib with all, like lots and lots of lights for a couple of days. Okay. And then she. Out and go on the billy blanket for a day and then her levels would go back up again so she'd have to go back in the crib for a day and then back on the billy blanket and that was kind of like a routine for a couple of days so what, what point do you get discharged because i know public hospitals don't hold you for as long as what a private hospital wouldn't um yeah. when do you get discharged in all of this so i think i was pretty lucky that i was using my private health insurance so they were happy to keep me a day longer than what they would usually because they were getting paid to keep me yeah um but then, so I got discharged on day four and Harper was obviously still admitted to the special care nursery. But at that point, I was like, I ain't leaving. <laughs> I know I live 10 minutes away from the hospital, but I ain't leaving. Um, and so they have like a little bed in the nursery, in, like the special care nursery. They have a room. And it wasn't being occupied. And they said, this is usually a room for parents who live out of town, which is so fair enough. Like, of course, you want to be with your baby, if so you live out of town. Yeah. But they're like, we're more than happy for you to have it if until someone needs it. And I was okay. like, perfect. So I stayed in the special care nursery with her. On a, one of those fold-out beds that the dads sleep on, may I add, four days after a cesarean. No, ideal. Not ideal, but I did it. Yeah. And all mums would do it, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So she comes home and she's pretty good. Well, I think they did discharge me a little bit earlier than what they should have because they had a twin mum coming back from Canberra who needed the room, who lived in them. Okay. Uh, so they said, We need the room. So they were like, We're happy to discharge Harper, but you have to come back every day and we'll have the community nurse come and test her levels every day. And oh, was, goodness. At that point, I was just so happy to go home. So I was fine to do that. And she was my first child. So I didn't have any other other obligations like i could do that yeah it gets gnarly when you've got two it gets a hundred percent so like it, it was it was pretty easy like i was fine to do it but we yeah we had the community nurse come every second day i had to take her in she had to redo her hearing test as well because once they are in the community crib they have to do the hearing test again and she would had to, had it done before she went in okay um so I had to go back in and do that, which was fine. But her level of her, her jaundice went up and down quite a bit. I had, we had a blood test every second day for two weeks. Oh my goodness. And bleeding babies is so hard. It's so, yeah. Like she's still got scars on her heel from all the heel pricks that she's had. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna... She's pretty good. <laughs> Don't point them out to her because she'll tell you about them every time. you will need, need a band-aid. Um. So I can't believe that you went back for another child after all of that. It didn't feel dramatic at the time, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're it living feels... it bit by bit. If that had happened, like if that had happened for my second one, I don't know if I would have gone for the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. So if there's somebody out there who's living regionally, rurally or remote and they have chronic health and they're thinking about having a baby, what would be some of the creative solutions or tips that you would say, do this before or get yourself organised? What would be the things that you would offer as advice? Two main things that I would do is have a really, really, really good relationship with a GP that you trust and that you can, you know, whatever they say you're happy to do. Yeah, And then a really, really, really good specialist with the same thing that you trust and you're more than happy to do whatever they say. And having those two people communicate I think was key for you really. Well yeah, have a good um, relationship is key because I think when you're in the unknown of that thing, and I mean I'm on my third baby and I've been told things you know, like I've had to have special scans and stuff like that this time around, you don't know anything about even though it's your third baby you don't know anything about them if you're not in the medical field. Yeah. So um, I think having people that you trust on your team and that you will blindly follow them um, is is a good thing to have. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Marnie. You didn't really have much of an option, did you really? <laughs> Not really. But I was, You've I was got happy. one tip that you gave me that probably isn't related to chronic health, but <clears throat> the one tip Marnie gave me when I was um, particularly naming my children, she was like, don't name them until all the, uh, all the drugs have worn off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. Want... Harper was Matt's top name and Poppy or Matilda was my top name. So we had three names and we named her as she came out of my belly pretty much when I yeah. was high and it ended up being Harper, which is fine. I love Harper. And, and it it's super. But it was Matt's choice. <laughs> she was like, whatever you do, just don't name your baby while you're high. Don't name your baby while you're high, <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah, obviously, like they become their name, it doesn't matter. But yeah, just wait until the drunk off. Thank you so much. I can't wait to um, uh, watch your next little one. I can't wait to watch Charlie and um, Eddie and Archie just terrorise the girls. I think it's going to be a madhouse. Yeah, it is going to be a madhouse, but they have to watch out for Harper because she's pretty bossy. <laughs> Thanks, fun. No worries. Bye. <laughs> Her herd recognises the traditional lands and waters on which this podcast was recorded.